from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. Honored to be sitting in for Tony today and extremely grateful to have you on the bus with us as well. Let me give some highlights as to where the program is headed today. Over 5,000 email messages. In fact, in the ballpark of 5,400 email messages. That's how many National Archives has identified in response to a Freedom of Information Act request on email accounts that Joe Biden allegedly used uh, under aliases. That was when he was vice president, of course, and he was doing government uh, business and discussing government business with his son, Hunter Biden, and others. And after nearly two years, not a single one of those emails has been released. Of course, Democrats, as they do with other missteps by the president, say that everything's on the up and up. Are you confident when you look at what the Justice Department has done, when you look at the investigations into Hunter Biden that the Republicans have pursued up to this point, that there hasn't been any wrongdoing, everything's been above board? Yes, I'm extremely uh, confident. The American people know fundamentally that Joe Biden is a good and decent man uh, who's dedicated his life to public service. Oh, yeah, that's what the American people know. Uh, That was House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries earlier today on CNN's This Morning. Well, should the congressman, should the minority leader be so confident that there's been no wrongdoings whatsoever? I'll discuss this in just a moment with Texas Congressman Randy Weber. And speaking of cover-ups, that's exactly what the Attorney General of California is wanting schools to do uh, behind the backs of parents. We are standing up for our children today, not allowing their rights to be trampled, not allowing them to be put in harm's way by a school board who is not complying with California law. Which interpreted means we're going to cover up the real information from the parents and not let them know what's going on in school. I'll be talking later in the program with Greg Burt of the California Policy Council about that situation. And that's not all that California wants to do. Not only do they want to divide parents and their children, they want to take them away. I'll be joined by Alvin Louie of Courage is a Habit to discuss pieces of legislation in California that are dangerous when applied collectively. And even worse than that, we are now seeing other states pick up on the California model. We need to keep this in our vision. But there is all sorts of concerning news across the country, uh, some of which concerns uh, the transgender front. There's a recent study that has revealed that thousands of teenagers were directed into gender mutilation in just the last couple of years. It's unbelievable. I'll be discussing this with pediatric endocrinologist, Dr. Quentin Van Meter. But thankfully, there is some good news for those who are trying to provide help to minors who are experiencing gender confusion. We'll be talking to Matt Staver of Liberty Council regarding one of the latest victories, and you want to hear that later in the program. So we've got a packed show, as always. And just a reminder, our website is TonyPerkins.com, where you can pick up archives of many, many uh, programs in the past, tons of resources available. And if, by chance, you miss any portion of today's program, You can go back and catch it right there at TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into our first topic for today. The federal lawsuit has been filed against the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, as we call it, over its failure to produce a single email that a Georgia-based legal group has been requesting since 2021. Two years not a single email has been produced. The Southeastern Legal Foundation had submitted their four-year request so that they could get access to Joe Biden's vice presidential records pertaining to all the emails uh, that, that the NARA has preserved. And we're talking, of course, about the accounts that were used by then vice president under different pseudonyms. Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, J.R.B. Ware, all these kind of names 
President, uh, Vice President Joe Biden used. But NARA has been dragging its feet, and now they find themselves in a lawsuit. And look, don't Americans have the right to know? Of course we do. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Randy Weber. He serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee and the Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. He represents the 14th Congressional District of the great state of Texas. Congressman Weber, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be here. Thanks, Jody. Well, look, I, you know, I, I go back uh, and I'm watching all this like you are, and you're, you're certainly much more on the tip of the spear than I am these days. But uh, this administration promised transparency to the American people. Is this their idea of transparency? I mean, really? Jody, it really is a sad day. Uh, by all outward appearances, we are on the verge of being a banana republic. You've got the federal agencies weaponized. You've got a vice president who did the quid pro quo with Ukraine, a billion dollars worth of taxpayer money. And then they tried to blame that on the dead try to claim President Trump was doing that. And these pseudonyms he's using, Robert Peters, um, J.R. Beware, I guess we ought, to, we ought to understand what maybe his pseudonym should be, Beware, the American public should beware. And then one that I, I kind of find the most irony in is Robin Ware. Maybe it ought to be Robin Us Blind. That's what he's doing. He's making millions and millions of dollars at taxpayers' expense. And we've got federal agencies that won't release the information. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, it's not just this uh, Southeastern legal uh, group in Georgia, but uh, there are others that have not been getting answers that they've been seeking. Uh, the House Oversight Committee, for example. I mean, they've been demanding that NARA turn over unredacted copies of these emails uh, for a long time as well. Are you encouraged at least that uh, the Oversight Committee and some of these others are demanding the, that NARA turn over unredacted copies of these emails so that they can do their job and investigate? Well, absolutely. And as you know, from your time in Congress, you can go in and you can look at these documents in a SCIF, a Secured Classified Information Facility. It doesn't have to be made available to everybody, but the elected officials ought, by the United States, by people in the United States, American citizens, ought to be able to look at these documents and make a decision about whether the law was violated. And yet again, this banana republic hierarchy that we seem to have in place now does not want anybody to be accountable as long as they're on that right side of their law. What that That's the law that whatever they say goes. Yeah, it really is stunning. I, I, you probably heard the clip I played of Hakeem Jeffries uh, entering into the program today. And, you know, the Democrats are continuing to defend the president. I've got another clip here. Let's just go ahead and, and uh, put this one up to Eric Swalwell uh, this past Friday on MSNBC. Let's play clip one, please. This Congress started with threats of impeaching Secretary Mayorkas, and then it was FBI Director Christopher Wray, and then Merrick Garland, uh, and now Joe Biden. And, and by the way, Eamon, one day he's sleepy Joe, the next day he's corrupt Joe. I know people who are sleepy. I know people who are corrupt. I don't know anyone who is both. All right. Your reaction. And there's no shock there. I mean, how can you stand there and look into a camera and lie and face the American people? We know exactly what Joe Biden is doing, what Hunter Biden has been doing. We know for a fact, and you know this, that Biden staffers met with special uh, uh, special counsel team member Jay Bratt. Uh, what are White House members doing? Uh, you know, uh, employees doing meeting with special counsel. It's to keep everybody on the same page. In fact, you probably know this. They met with Caroline Saba. They met with Catherine Riley. They met with FBI agent Daniel Ray. The only one missing, I made a list here, was Jim Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page. This is the kind of things the Democrats are doing when they're in power. People of America ought to rise up and say they want the truth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the lack of transparency is just shocking. And you brought this up, and I don't know if our viewers and 
and listeners are, are fully aware of this, but the, a top White House aide met with a top aide at uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith's office, and that was just a short a few weeks before the indictment of former President Trump. And you start putting all these pieces together, Congressman Weber, and it just, uh, it's, it, it really is unbelievable to see that, that this is going on. I, it appears to me that the walls are beginning to fall down on all of them, though. I, do you think we're actually going to see some accountability when all is said and done? Well, I would hope so. I would hope that members of Congress uh, actually use their power to reduce funding on some of these agencies where the top, uh, the leaders of these, the heads of these agencies will not allow transparency to take place for on behalf of the American people. They ought to be out on their ear. Uh, we ought to be making sure that we clean house. I just can, our lips to God's ears, hope the American people uh, kick out these crazy Democrats who have zero transparency operate under pseudonyms, claim that they had absolutely nothing to do with their son's business, and do that with lie with a straight face, and then have the Democrat majority leader, Hakeem Jeffries, say, oh, America knows that, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden is a good, uh, a good man. You can't make this stuff up. I've, I've, I've been paying attention since Reagan ran for re-election in 83. I became a very active Republican, Jody. I've never seen it this bad. Yeah. I agree. Well, listen, I want to switch gears with you because you are, you've introduced a piece of leg legislation that's just fascinating to me on an issue I was not even aware was taking place, has to do what your mm -hmm. legislation is prohibiting abortions in federal waters, federal waters. So we've just got a couple of minutes here. Tell us what happened off the shores of Galveston a year or so ago and what your legislation is going to do. Well, there was an incident. There's a boat. Actually, as you know, Texas passed the heartbeat law. You're instrumental helping us in the House when you were there. Thank you for that, for being so faithful to our Lord. Um, there was a, a lawsuit filed. There's a Texas state rep who's seeking to be able to uh, interview the guy that owns this company. I forget the name of it. Uh, but they're, they're saying, look, they're just what this is is a blatant attempt to get around uh, the downfall of Roe v. Wade to be able to kill unborn children, unborn Americans, out if you get choose a legal limit, whether it's nine miles out or 12 miles out into federal waters. And what our act says is, no, it's actually entitled the Ban Offshore Abortion Tourism Act, or Boat Act, where they literally take a floating vehicle, whether it's a tourism boat or a hospital. I cannot imagine how it's safe and clean, but they take this offshore in order to, to get around, if you will. We've got about 30 seconds laws. just for your info. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, look, you don't get to violate state laws by going offshore, that's killing, killing unborn children. Congressman Randy Weber, fantastic piece of legislation. I had no idea that there were any abortion ships uh, that people are going out on to avoid state laws to do such a thing. Thank you for putting this legislation forward. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. Great to be here. Thank you. All right, friends, coming up, we've got some good news out of a city in Iowa that was trying to muzzle conservatives and Christian counselors. I'll be joined by Liberty Council's Matt Staver after the break to talk about it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace the their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Keith Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiser, your host, and honored to be sitting in for Tony this evening, and thank you for joining us as well. All right, the left is completely okay with counselors if they are encouraging minors to take things like life-altering hormone drugs or even undergo invasive surgery to remove healthy body parts. But, but if a counselor is trying to provide minors with uh, help to reduce or eliminate unwanted same-sex attractions or behaviors or gender confusion or anything of that nature, well, that, at least in the left's mind, is just plain wrong, even criminal, if they had their way. Well, earlier this year, city officials in Waterloo, Iowa, approved a local ordinance that prevented counselors from doing just that. But thankfully, they got their heads set straight uh, with a little help, I might add. And here to give us the details is Matt Staver. He, of course, is the founder and CEO and chairman of Liberty Council. Matt, great to see you. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. Good to be with you, as always. Well, likewise, thank you for all you do. All right, fill in the, any missing details in this case. It's, uh, it's amazing. Tell us about how Liberty Council stepped in and what kind of response you had. You know, this is typical of these uh, states, or in this case, a city or a county, jumping into this particular LGBTQ agenda and trying to interfere with the relationship that's sacred, you know, sacrosanct from uh, counselor to client, uh, with the confidentiality, and they barge into the counseling room. And that's what they did. By a six to one vote in May of 2023, the city council in Waterloo passed this ordinance that banned any council that a minor wants to obtain or that clients uh, or counselors are wanting to be able to offer to these clients that would seek to change unwanted same-sex attractions, behaviors, or gender confusion. So if a minor came in with the parents and they saw a counselor that's an expert and they're having these struggles with unwanted same-sex attractions, they don't want to act on those attractions, they don't want to engage in behavior, uh, they're not wanting to be confused about their birth gender being a boy. They want to be comfortable with being the, the boy or the girl that they were born to be. The counselor under that law would not be able to help them. In fact, the counselor would have to override their particular objective, which violates not only the very core of counseling, but certainly violates the First Amendment. So we sent a demand letter because a counselor in Waterloo got wind of this ordinance, and certainly it would impact uh, that counselor's practice. We looked at it, sent a demand letter, 
and gave a deadline for them to respond. Otherwise, we would file suit. We outlined some of our cases that we just won at the Court of Appeals that cost um, the uh, city and counties in those particular cases in Florida significant uh, damages for these unconstitutional laws, and we demanded they repeal it. So they got together, and uh, to their credit, they did by a vote of four to three. They passed it by six to one. Now they have repealed it last week by a vote of four to three, uh, and they have avoided a costly lawsuit that they clearly would have lost in this case. So counselors will be free now to to help these minors. You mentioned some other cases that are similar that that uh, Liberty Council that y'all have been able to win. Can you real quickly kind of t- shine some light on what those cases were all about, the similarities? Yeah, they're all the same. Uh, they're, this was down in Boca Raton, Florida, in South Florida, and also Palm Beach County. They passed uh, very similar identical ordinances. We filed suit on behalf of two counselors. Then City of Tampa also passed a similar ordinance. All of these are virtually cookie-cutter ordinances across the country, whether they're at the state or local level. We filed two separate lawsuits, went to the Court of Appeals, won both of those. The City of Tampa has now been permanently blocked from this particular ordinance, and has had to pay nearly $1 million as a result of this litigation. The city of Boca Raton, Florida, and Palm Beach County are going to also have to incur about a $1 million plus uh, because of this unconstitutional act. The Court of Appeals also found that these were a violation of the First Amendment. And it violates the First Amendment, uh, Jody, because it prevents one viewpoint on this subject matter. So counselors, if they have a person that comes in struggling with their identity, They can counsel them to get these harmful puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and amputate your breasts at age 16. Uh, But they can't counsel them uh, even if they want to be comfortable in their birth sex. They can't counsel them to change those unwanted behaviors, attractions, or the unwanted confusion that they're experiencing. 85% plus of children, adolescents and teens, that go through this gender questioning, gender confusion, they naturally resolve without any counseling intervention to be uh, accepting of their birth sex. So if a boy has confusion and thinks that he's a girl, wants to identify as a girl, 85% of those that go through that area of their life, uh, they resolve and the boy becomes comfortable with being the boy that God made him to be. Now, you put that person in a situation where these laws are, and someone says, I'm struggling, I'm a boy, uh, but I'm having these strange feelings of being a girl. Can you help me? I don't want to be a girl. I want to be comfortable with my boyhood. Uh, And if the counselor now pushes this boy or this girl down the road of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and this invasive permanent mutilating surgery, that is very, very dangerous and oftentimes premature, but certainly These uh, government officials have no business, none whatsoever, in the privacy of the counseling room dictating a radical LGBTQ agenda. Well, thank you so much for being on the front line of this battle. We've only got about a minute or so left. But isn't this the the, uh, conversion therapy argument that you're really attacking and winning uh, with with the uh, position you're taking in Liberty Council right now? Yes, that's a, in fact, uh, we are. Uh, there are efforts out there, and there's also a bill, H.R. 15, the so-called Equality Act, uh, that if passed, there's 212 Democrats in the House that sign on. They only need six Republicans now to even put it over the uh, objection of the Speaker on the floor and vote for it. That would be something that would force this agenda everywhere and also prevent counselors and clients from providing that life-saving help and counsel that these young boys and girls and families need. Matt Staver, Liberty Council, thank you for all the work that you have done over the years in Liberty Council across the board, and uh, we're grateful for you joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. Good to be with you. Likewise. All right, friends, coming up, more reason why we need counselors helping kids through gender confusion because thousands of them are being directed towards gender mutilation. Shocking, shocking findings that I'm going to bring your way right after the break. You don't want to miss this, so stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment.
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Again, I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Good to have you on board with us. All right, it's troubling to think about even one child being led by adults to get so-called gender reassignment surgeries, which really is nothing other than gender mutilation, since gender cannot be reassigned. So to hear that there are thousands over the course of just the last few years who have been getting mutilated is just absolutely horrifying. And uh, that's what's been revealed in a new study that was recently published by the Journal of the American Medical Association. And joining me now to discuss this is pediatric uh, endocrinologist, Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's an associate clinical professor of pediatrics at Morehouse Schools of Medicine, and he's the immediate former president of the American College of pediatricians. Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Glad to be here. Thank you, Jody. All right. Let's, uh, th- this is shocking information, what's come forth in this report. Before we get to the parts regarding the specifically the younger category, ages 12 through 18, uh, give us just kind of an overview of the study and what it looked at. It looked at the increase of uh, numbers of uh, surgeries that were done to mimic the opposite sex. These are euphemistically called sex change operations. But in in truth, sex is immutable. It's male or female. uh, It's determined at the moment of conception. So people who wish they were not the sex they were, that wish to portray the opposite sex, uh, in adulthood, uh, there was a, a, a very large increase from uh, about 2016 up to the present time. There was a peak of those uh, operations in adults and across across all age groups in 2019. And then COVID came along and kind of threw a monkey wrench in the in the the mechanisms where patients could get referrals and then where hospitals, of course, are wanting to do elective surgeries. So subsequent to the the uh, passing of the COVID restrictions, uh, there's been an uptick once again in the number of surgeries done. And this has to do with, uh, you know, males and females alike. The interesting statistic is in the children, those below the age of 18, uh, where the increase has, has been as well, uh, much smaller numbers. But uh, this is this comes in the face of individuals who are advocating for children uh, to be transitioned um, in their appearance from their basic biologic sex to the opposite sex. Um, it, they, they categorically state over and over again before, before state legislative hearings under under oath that th- no children are getting surgeries, that this is only done 
after the age of consent. And of course, that we all know is not true because uh, adolescent females are uh, getting their breasts removed well before the age of 18 uh, in, in these uh, medical centers. Uh, all pretty much done under wraps, um, not not recognized uh, in the news, uh, particularly because it's quite a shocking statistic. Yeah, and what's also shocking to me, and I like your input on this, is the younger category actually is is ages 12 through 18. So I, I, doesn't it seem like they should have gone like 12 through 17? Uh, is 18 kind of adult age? So, I mean, even that's a little bit of a misleading category, isn't it? Well, I mean, I think what they're trying to do is to is to categorize those that are 18 and younger, uh, just because 18 is the first age of consent for where the parents' uh, consent is not required for the surgical procedures. But, you know, all the way up to age 25, and, and perhaps some people would argue a bit longer, there, the, the human brain is not capable of making really phenomenally um, far-sighted decisions. Everything is pretty much on the short term. You know, I want something, I want it now. It's the classic adolescent, you know, give it to me or I'll take my life. Give it to me or I'll make your life miserable. Uh, you know, sort of essentially throwing something at, at an adult in in the role of uh, providing the the true consent for this patient. Um, they, they use that as a weapon. And that's what's happened with these particular surgeries is that the patient will literally state categorically, if I don't get my breasts cut off and I'm biologically a female and I want to be a male in appearance, um, I will kill myself. And so what we do know is that the mental health of these kids in the big picture, in the long studies, in the entire population studies, uh, their mental health is is no better. And in, it actually it's actually worse if they go through with the surgical procedures. And so it, it's just, well, and, it's not appropriate. Yeah, and I, we've had a number of them detransitioners on the program with us, and they said the doctors actually told them and their parents that, had you rather have a dead daughter or a live son, a detransitioned son? So, I mean, in a lot of ways, these kids are being pushed into this type of thing, and it's, uh, it's very frightening. We've only got... Uh, a little over a minute or so left, Doctor. Uh, what What do you hope will be the takeaway from this study? What do you hope uh, maybe we'll catch on to as a country? Well, I think you know the American public needs to know this is happening, and I think the fact that there are that many surgeries that have been done on children um, it should shock everyone into saying, "Well, no, they're not telling the truth when they say we don't do that." Uh, this is it, this cannot be fixed. You can't go back and recreate what you took out surgically. Uh, you're ruining the lives of the, you're mutilating the bodies irreparably. And that, you know, we're sterilizing the kids essentially. And that's just not an appropriate thing to do to any child under the age of, uh, of majority and, and actually for adults as well. So it's, uh, it's a sad case. And I think the more of these detransitioners, you know, speak up and, and tell us what they, what they went through and what, how they're suffering, the more the American people will get behind the movement to say, hey, let's pause this in kids under age 18 completely. One to have professionals such as yourself in the medical and scientific community who know what you're talking about from that perspective is equally, critically, critically important. Dr. Quentin Van Meter, thank you so much for your great work and thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Happy to help out. Thanks so much, Charlie. All right, friends, coming up after the break, we're going to be highlighting some insanity in California and what's being done to counter it and to keep it from leaking to other states. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Senator Kevin Kramer. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you to FRC and and their staff for for doing two things that I think are so important in representative uh, government. Uh, One is, as I like to say, is that you hold us accountable. But what's more important is that you're an extension of your representative government. You are an extension of those of us who, who, who take the pledge and, and pledge our allegiance to our country, to our Constitution, um, but lean heavily on, on you and, and what you provide. So keep up the great work. We need you. Thank you so much, Senator Kramer. That's a great word, and we appreciate it. And we're honored to be celebrating 40 years of standing for faith, family, and freedom here at the Family Research Council. We want to extend a heartfelt invitation for you to come join us September 15th through 17th in Washington, D.C. for this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. Friends, I'm telling you, when uh, there's never been a more critical time for us to learn together how to engage our culture. And you will come away from this summit having so many tools and uh, the ways to to do just that effectively, engage. So uh, you can register, get more details, whatever you need right now. Just go to prayvotestand.org, prayvotestand.org, and we look forward to seeing you. All right, it seems like the insanity in California is never ending. In fact, it wasn't long ago that we had the president of the Chino Valley Unified School District, Sonia Shaw, on the program with us. Uh, and we really were highlighting her brave stance in favor of parental rights. Well, the California Attorney General, Rob Bonta, won't let that kind of courage go unpunished. In fact, he's announced that he is suing Chino Valley Unified School District for the sin, if you will, of standing up for parents. This policy is destructive, it's discriminatory, and it's downright dangerous. It has no place in California, which is why we have moved in court to strike it down. Dangerous, discriminatory, how dare you let parents know what's going on with their children? Wow, that's just incredible. Well, joining me now is Greg Burt. He is the... uh, Excuse me, Greg Burt, he's uh, with the California Family Council. He's the director there of Capital Engagement. Greg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, listen, yeah, listen, we're thrilled to have you. Listen, you've got to have a reaction to the attorney general and and the decision to sue. He ought to be lauding 
uh, this decision. But the Chino Valley Unified School District Board uh, is facing a lawsuit from the Attorney General. What do you think? Oh, this is this is really an intimidation factor. I mean, what he's seeing is there are more and more school districts ex uh, passing the same exact policy, and he had to do something. We already have four school districts who have passed this notification policy to simply involve parents when kids are making the drastic decision to tell their teachers they want to be a different gender. I mean, with the high suicide rates of kids who identify as transgender, why would you not want parents involved? Uh, it makes no sense. And so uh, we have kind of uh, forced him out, right? Now he's got to defend this. Uh, and actually passing this lawsuit actually helps get the message out, uh, exposing what California Department of Ed uh, and our school districts are actually doing and what they really think of parents. They think they're dangerous. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, a multiple points that you just made. Uh, why, uh, as you said, would anyone think it's a bad idea to keep parents informed? Nobody loves these children as much as the parents do. Uh, and as you brought up, there are other school boards that have been going down this similar path, staring up, uh, standing up for parents' rights. Do you think this is somehow perhaps at least the beginning of parents taking back power uh, as it relates to their children's education and taking that power away from the state? I think so. I mean, we've been we've been trying to warn parents for, you know, years and years that this was coming, that, you know, they're coming for your kids. And, you know, people thought it was an exaggeration, but now they're actually, you know, actually telling school districts, you got to keep, they're persuading kids that they could be any gender they want. And then when these kids decide they want to be a different gender, um, then they're in telling teachers they've got to keep it quiet. And so now it's now it's coming to the kitchen table, right? It's it's hitting more and more families. And it's it's undeniable now that, yes, it is true. The, the state of California thinks they're better parents than the average parent. And anybody who thinks that biology determines gender is really on the that is not allowed. Right. Uh, that is dangerous. Uh, your children will be injured uh, and be threatened by that viewpoint. And now parents are realizing that all these warnings we've been trying to give them for years, you know, it's actually true. And this policy gives them an, an avenue of what we can do. Right. And so we hope this spreads. We hope every little school district, we have 900 school districts in California, and lots of them are in conservative areas. And they've been annoyed for years that, you know, the state has been dictating to them sex ed curriculum, social studies curriculum, all these, you know, policies that they don't agree with. And now this is an opportunity that they can push back and the law is on their side. Absolutely. Well, you know, we talk a lot on uh, here around FRC with what we call sage cons, that's spiritually active and governance-engaged conservatives. And, you know, there, there's hope on the horizon here for sage cons, people of that makeup uh, who are spiritually active, who are involved in what's happening politically, and who are getting involved because of issues such as this. And there, there's some of that hope involves a few initiatives that have been filed uh, in California specifically to protect children. Real quickly, can you tell us what those initiatives are? Yeah, so there is a group called the Protect Kids uh, California. Uh, it's a group of parental rights advocates, and they have done they have they have introduced three uh, initiatives that will go on the ballot if they can get enough signatures. And here are the three initiatives. One will uh, simply make this notification policy uh, a state law. And it says it requires schools to notify parents when a child requests schools to treat them as a different sex. That's it, just a notification policy. The second one is regarding protecting girls' sports. And it simply says that the, the, the girls' sports and uh, locker rooms and bathrooms um, need to be reserved simply for females, no males allowed, um, like it used to be, like it used to be obvious. And so that's another initiative. And then the last one is simply a bill to prevent, uh, to outlaw uh, transitioning, medically transitioning children, uh, minors with hormones, 
genital surgeries and puberty blockers. And we've had, you know, around the country, conservative states do this. And now we're, we're taking it on here in California, and they're going to have to defend these policies. Greg Burt of California Family Council, thank you so much for the great work you're doing, and thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, folks, I want to continue our focus on California and direct attention to a series of legislation that, uh, quite frankly, when looked at collectively, paints an extremely troubling picture. And joining me now to talk about this is Alvin Louie. He's the president of Courage is a Habit, which has put together a resource on California's transgender trafficking model. You got that right. Transgender trafficking model. Alan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. It's nice to see you again so soon. Hey, great to see you again, as always. All right, look, always. before we uh, put the picture together with all the pieces of the puzzle, tell us about the specifically the five pieces of legislation that collectively are just horrifying. So it all starts in the schools, uh, as with anything else. And so uh, the schools are keeping transgender secret from parents. Uh, they have basically two lies that they've built this entire transgender, transgender trafficking model on, but they, they started it in schools. That's a genesis. And the two lies are this. They will kill themselves if you don't allow them to mutilate themselves, children, children. Uh, and parents are unsafe and abusive if they don't agree to transgender, the transgender cult, the transgender social delusion. That's it. Those are the two lies that they've built all this on. Obviously, uh, there's no studies that prove it. There's no logical uh, uh, common sense that, that shows that. You don't give in to suicide threats. It's all driven by the schools. But beyond that, that's the lie. And so the transgender secrets start from schools. Okay. Now in California, now I know that you have a lot of listeners from around the country and maybe even outside the country. I want everyone, to I want to remind everybody that California is the closest thing we have to a crystal ball. Okay. Closest thing. So don't roll your eyes because you're in a red state. What I'm about to tell you, it doesn't matter if it's a red or blue state. Okay. You're going to have some variation of this, or they're working on some variation of this. So this California model starts with transgender secrets in schools, and that's in all 50 states. Okay. I don't care if you're in a red state. All 50 states, schools are doing it. Now, California passed something last October in 2022, October, November 2022, called SB 107. That's the original transgender trafficking bill. It states that if a child from another state crosses over to California and they say, my parents don't want me to have, they don't agree with me having any transgender procedures, drugs, puberty blockers, hormone, cross-sex hormones, surgeries, California will separate the child. They will not return the child to the parent, even if the parent comes uh, looking for them. It's state-sanctioned trafficking, and that's SB 107, okay? Now, that bill has now been replicated across several states. It's a copycat bill. But moving on to the next bill, uh, AB 957 in California, that's the in-state transgender trafficking. It means that if you as a parent don't succumb and agree to the uh, transgender pr procedures, they can remove your child. Uh, again, not out-of-state children now. This is in-state children. Uh, and if you have custody agreement, uh, uh, custody battles, uh, the courts will most likely uh, favor the parent who agrees to the uh, transgender procedures, mutilating surgeries, uh, body-destroying drugs. The next bill after that is SB 956. Now, SB 956 is what we call the intimidation bill. And what that says is that it's going to criminalize parents for speaking out against any school professional, any school counselor, teacher, principal, school board, you name it. Uh, if you speak out against them on social media, if you write them an email, uh, and all it has to be is that they've got to feel threatened. They have to feel emotional distress. So obviously they can, it, it can, that can fall under anything. Uh, five hundred to a thousand dollar fine, up to one year in jail, for the high crime of defending your children in school. That's SB nine five nine six, and then AB six six five is a mental health bill where it says children as young as twelve can separate himself or herself from her parents if they believe they need mental health services. Now. 
mental health services is not what you and I talk about, what you and I are thinking about. They're talking about the parents, let's say, don't agree with almost anything uh, very, very radical and progressive. You don't believe in climate changeism. You don't believe that uh, America is systemically racist. You don't believe in defunding the police, uh, reparations, obviously the transgender social contagion, on and on. If you don't believe in that, that's mentally abusive and your child can, at 12 years old, can separate themselves. Okay. And then the final one is SB 407. That states that a foster family, in order, you want to be a foster family, you must agree to the transgender ideology. If you do not, you do not qualify to be a foster family anymore. So what that means is that every child, whether they identify as a transgender or not, when they get into a foster family, will be put through that social contagion. Uh, let me just say, uh, there is no such thing as a transgender child. Everybody needs to feel comfortable saying that. There's no such thing as a transgender child. It's pure child abuse. So wow. these are the bills that are in, in, in California right now. Uh, some of them have passed. Some of them will pass. Uh, SB 107 already passed. So where does all this lead? Okay. How do they work together? Very simple. Very simple. All of these bills leads to one area, foster care. Why? Because in California, no matter what the other laws are, once it hits foster care, the state can decide on transgender procedures at any age, no consent needed, double mastectomies, castration, drugs, it's, it doesn't matter. The reason why this is so dangerous beyond the obvious is that the most uh, one of the most fertile ground for sex trafficking is foster care. Because nobody, a lot of times, people don't even know that children are missing. Thousands and thousands of children Alvin, let me every year. Let me interject here. We've only got about a minute left here. But the, the similarities between sex trafficking and what you refer to as transgender trafficking is shocking. Mm -hmm. But in less than a minute that we have, uh, what can our viewers sure. and listeners do? Well, the reason why it's so similar, we work with an organization that says, hey, here are, the, here are the similarities between sex trafficking, transgender trafficking, the way they groom the children is almost identical. Uh, the best thing that parents can do is, you know, we've got the links in your show notes uh, that shows the comparison between the two and how the transgender, tra the contagion, the, the, the transgender recruiters uh, get the children into the cult the same way sex traffickers get them into, the, into sex trafficking, sexual exploitation. The best thing that parents can do is to opt your children out of any mental health professional uh, in school, formal, informal. Uh, we have opt-out forms at courageisahabit.org. Look under school counselors, okay? Courageisahabit.org. Look under school counselors. Every single one of those items at the end, as a last page, has an opt-out form written by our attorney, uh, use it. Make sure your children do not get near those mental health professionals. They're the ones driving a lot of this in schools. Alvin, we're going to have to leave it right there. Alvin Louis, president of Courage is a Habit. Thank you so much for breaking down these this legislation and bringing a dose of reality to us. Thank you. All right, friends, that wraps it up for this edition of Washington Watch. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your evening. We'll be with you tomorrow right here, same time, Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.